I'll start with one question this morning. What could make your life better? What would you say is your greatest need right now? If you had this one thing, your life would be so much better. If you just had this one thing, your life would be full. You'd feel complete. You'd be so much happier. Would it be a better job? Better health? Better friendships? Better relationships? A better place to live? A better marriage? Hold that thought. We've been in a series on the names of God because in his names we experience his attributes. We've so far learned that he is Adonai, Lord and Master. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's God who is our provider. He is Jehovah Rafi, who is our healer. He's Jehovah Shalom, who is our peace. And in our text this morning, he reveals himself as El Shaddai. A quick understanding of what El Shaddai means. El is a shortened form of Elohim, which recognizes God as creator. Scripture starts out, Genesis 1.1, within the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Elohim is the infinite, all-powerful God who shows by his work of creation that he is mighty. He is the sustainer of life, and he is the supreme judge of the world. Now, Shaddai means all-sufficient provider. But there are actually some differences of opinion in what that actually means. Because there's one Hebrew word that they believe it comes from that means mountains. And so that's strength. That means that God is almighty. But there are some scholars that say, no, it actually comes from the word Hebrew word shad, which means breast. And what it really means is that nurturing relationship that a nursing mother would have with her infant. That when the infant cries, it's the mother who takes that child and loves it, cares for it, nurtures that baby. And that's what Shaddai means. And so that's how we come to the conclusion that El Shaddai means almighty but all-sufficient. El Shaddai is the source of all blessing. He's the source of all fullness. He is the source of all fruitfulness. And he pours out his provision because he is all-powerful. El Shaddai is the one who nourishes us. El Shaddai is the one who satisfies, who protects us, and who supplies for his people. See, when we admit our insufficiency, the Almighty is sufficient to meet those needs. El Shaddai veils the futility of relying upon our own efforts and the foolishness of impatiently running ahead of God with our own plans. And that's what we see in our text with Abraham. We see that when we are empty, God is enough. We've studied Abraham a lot in this series because God has revealed himself to Abraham in many different ways. But at the beginning of chapter 
17, Abraham is now 99 years old. It's been 24 years since God told Abraham to leave the security of his family and his homeland and go to a place that God would show him. And it's been 14 years since God promised Abraham an heir, a descendant that would produce a nation as great as the stars numbered in the sky. But instead of waiting on God to fulfill that promise, Abraham and Sarah took the Hagar detour. And this is what happens. In Genesis 16, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. They were tired of waiting. Their prayer was unanswered in their timing, and so they took matters into their own hands. I can help God. This must be what God meant. You know, we depend on God for our salvation. It's almost easy for us. But in the day-to-day stuff that we do, we still depend upon ourselves. I can do it. I can do this. But like Abraham, we make a mess of a situation by trying to do it ourselves. How often we make our plans and involve ourselves in self-conceived plans. And then after we do all that we can through our own abilities, through our own resources, then we come back to God and we ask him to bless the mess. Maybe those weren't God's plans at all. Maybe we just got in God's way. So in our text this morning, God reminds Abraham again that he and Sarah will have a son. Abraham laughs. This is impossible, he must be thinking. Our bodies are all but dead, and you're going to bring life from them? Impossible. The text says, Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, May Ishmael live under your special blessing. Bless the mess, Lord. Bless the mess. Lord, can't we just make Ishmael the one who is the promised child? Can't he be the one who is blessed? Abraham is asking God to take the child who is a product of unbelief, a result of human resourcefulness. Can't you just bless the mess I've made? Because, Lord, what you are suggesting is impossible for me. I can't do it. I'm not able. So bless the mess. Abraham had given up all hope of having a child with Sarah. But it's in this moment that Abraham comes to realize the Lord as El Shaddai. It was when he realized his own insufficiency that God revealed his sufficiency. 
El Shaddai is revealed as the almighty, all-sufficient one. Two of the best words in Scripture here revealing El Shaddai. But God, in the response to this request, bless the mess, Lord. I can't do it. But God replied, no, Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. And you will name him Isaac. And I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Are you burdened this morning, striving in your own strength and ability? Then you need to know El Shaddai. And as Abraham did, Walk before the Lord wholeheartedly, understanding him as the almighty, all-sufficient Lord. What got Abraham into trouble was that he'd been walking before Sarah. He had been walking before Hagar. He was trusting in others for what only God could accomplish. He was putting his faith in others instead of walking before the Lord and trusting in his work, his ability, his sufficiency. And it's only when Abraham understood his own emptiness, his own insufficiency, his own inability, that he could rejoice that God was enough. And then it changed the course of his life. Now, Abraham may have been the first to discover El Shaddai, but he wasn't the only one. In the book of Ruth, we're introduced to a woman named Naomi. When we're introduced to Naomi, there was a bad famine in Bethlehem. So she goes with her husband and her two sons to the land of Moab, and there they live. And while they're there, her husband dies. Ten years after that, her two sons die. So Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws at this point, Orpah and Ruth, they're widowed, which is a terrible situation in biblical times. When you were widowed, you had no more social status. You had no means of survival. And so they decide to head back to Bethlehem. What did they have to lose? But then she decides that she needs to send her daughter-in-laws home to their homeland. I have nothing to offer you, she says. Go back to your homelands. But Ruth says, no. Ruth says, I will stay with you. And so they make the long journey home, Naomi and Ruth, together. And when they get there, the people don't recognize Naomi. Is this Naomi, they ask? I imagine she wore her sadness. Maybe her shoulders were slumped. Her eyes filled with the pain of losing her husband and her sons. And this is how she responds to their question. In Ruth chapter 1, she says, Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. 
Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer? And the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me. You know, Naomi means pleasant. Mara means bitter. But notice that she recognizes where her problems come from. Four times in just these two verses, she attributes her affliction to God. Almighty has made life bitter for me. The Lord has brought me home empty. The Lord has caused me to suffer. The Almighty has sent tragedy. You know, God is behind the circumstances of our life. The writer of Ecclesiastes said, Enjoy prosperity while you can, but when hard times strike, realize they both come from God. Naomi was jaded by her circumstances. She was feeling hopeless. She was feeling bitter, and she was feeling empty. But it was in her emptiness that she discovered that God is enough. She trusted El Shaddai with her pain. She trusted him with her hurts and her bitterness, believing that he would help her. Even though she didn't fully understand, somehow God was providentially weaving his purposes through her problems and through her pain. Through all of that, she remained obedient to God in her pain. She submitted to God's sovereign plan. She continued to teach her daughter-in-law, Ruth, about the ways of God, encouraging her to marry again to a man named Boaz. And through the years as she trusted El Shaddai with her bitterness and her pain, we can see God's goodness prevail. Her daughter-in-law, Ruth, does remarry a man named Boaz, and she gives birth to a son, And then we're invited into this scene in Ruth chapter 4. Then Naomi took the child in her arms, and she cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. God brought Naomi great joy and restoration through the marriage of Ruth and Boaz. Naomi had a direct hand in the upbringing of Obed, who became the grandfather of King David, who was the lineage of Jesus Christ. Naomi directly imparted her faith, her good character, into the next generation. Though she came to God empty, God didn't leave her there that way. He brought fullness to her emptiness. This picture of Naomi with the newborn Obed is a picture of how El Shaddai can meet us at our point of bitterness and make us better. He is the Almighty One who nourishes and who satisfies His children when they come to Him empty. Sometimes, like Abraham, we're burdened, and we think that God isn't going to come through for us. Oftentimes, we're bitter, like Naomi, because things haven't turned out the way we expected. But then there are times when we're completely broken, because we feel like we've lost everything that matters to us. 
Job was broken. You know, El Shaddai is used 48 times in the Old Testament. 31 of those are in the book of Job. What we learn about Job is that he was blameless. He was a man of complete integrity. He stayed away from evil. And he was the richest person in that entire area. He had everything going for him by the world's standards and by God's standards. But before the first chapter of Job is complete, Job has lost all his livestock. Every animal has been stolen or destroyed. Then he receives word that all of his children are dead. And in a matter of moments, Job has lost all that he loved, all that was dear to him, including his health. But Job responds with weeping and then worship. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground in worship. He said, I come from my mother's womb naked, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord Then in chapter 2 of Job, he's afflicted with sores all over his body. And then at this point, his wife just can't stand it anymore. She tells him to curse God and die. And he says, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? All our circumstances are in the control. Of El Shaddai. There's a reason that El Shaddai is found most often in Job than in any other book. Because when we are most empty, God is most evident. When we have nothing left but God, then we are understanding that He's enough, that He is all sufficient. In the book of Job, we see both a strong and stern almighty God, but also the tender and caring, all-sufficient one. As parents, we behave similarly with our children. When my son was young, probably about three years old, two to three years old, I was carrying Emily. She was an infant at the time. And we were getting from the car to our apartment. And he decided that he was going to run out, not hold my hand. He was going to run out into the parking lot. And he ended up falling. He scraped up his knee pretty good. But what I had to do, I I took care of his wound. I took care of the scrape. I bandaged it and I took care of it. But he still got a swat across his bottom not out of anger, but to teach him that what he did wasn't going to keep him safe. I had to teach him that I wanted him to be safe. And that's what God is about in our lives. We reprimand our children not out of anger, but out of love. We want to keep them safe. We want to teach them discipline in the same way that our Heavenly Father may chastise us as the strong, almighty one. But he still cares for our wounds 
as the tender, caring, all-sufficient one. In love, he soothes our wounds. But also in love, he may allow us to be wounded if it's necessary for our discipline, for our safety, for our protection. And so then Job wants to hear from God. So desperately he cries out for the almighty El Shaddai. Answer my questions, Lord. I want to know why all of this is happening to me. And then God gives his longest speech in all the Bible to answer Job's questions. But he doesn't answer his questions specifically. He asks more questions. He asks Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Do you know the laws of the universe? Can you use them to regulate the earth? Have you given the horse its strength? Or have you clothed its neck with a flowing mane? For two chapters, God asks his questions of Job. Until finally Job, in chapter 40, gets on his knees. But the Lord says to him one more time, Do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic. But do you have the answers? Then Job replied to the Lord, I am nothing. How could I have the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. When Job says, I am nothing, he's saying, I am empty. I am broken, and I am empty. But our God is in the business of fixing broken people. He is enough when we don't feel like we're enough. El Shaddai is sufficient when we're insufficient. See, the only answer that God gave to Job was God himself. See, Job wasn't asked to trust in a plan. He was asked to trust in a person, the almighty, all-sufficient one who is in control of all things. See, in that interaction, Job learned the number one rule about the Christian life. God is God, and we are not. We wrestle with that all the time. Life isn't fair. Jesus told us that we would have trouble in this world. But when the trials hit, the question is not, why did this happen to me? The question is, now that this has happened to me, will I remain loyal and faithful to God. Our extreme situations are God's opportunities. There's a comfort in that. Because you need to be aware that if we are consistently safe and secure, that's Satan's opportunity. Only when we come to the end of ourselves, when we come to the end of our own resources, do we tap into the sufficiency of El Shaddai. And he is more than adequate for all our needs, 
according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. We can't run from our problems. We can't prevent problems from entering into our lives. And we can't always solve our problems. But El Shaddai is sufficient for every problem, for every circumstance. So what will it take to make you happy? A question posed to John D. Rockefeller one time, the richest man in the world at the time. They asked him, how much money is enough? To which he said, just a little bit more. How much is enough for you this morning? Go back to that question that we started with. That one thing that you believe will make your life better. Are you feeling burdened like Abraham? Did you come in today feeling pain and bitterness like Naomi? Or do you feel broken like Job? The good news is that you have an almighty, all-sufficient God on your side. He's calling out your name. Arms open wide. And he wants you to know him as El Shaddai. Fall before him in reverence. Fall before him in worship. Abraham fell face down. Job fell to the ground in worship. When you feel empty, praise him, even if you don't feel like it. Because when you start, you will feel like it, and you won't want to stop. Run to El Shaddai as your refuge. He is powerful. He is your protector. Psalm 91.1 says, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. We weren't meant to just visit with the Lord. We were meant to live in His shelter. That's not a Sunday event. That's a every day, every moment, every minute of the day living in the shelter of the Almighty. If you want to find rest in his shadow, you need to be close to him. Shadows are right next to the one casting it. If you want to be in that shadow, you have to be right next to them. If you want to be in the shadow of God, you have to be with him. Where do you turn when your world is falling apart? Where do you turn when the circumstances before you seem impossible? Abraham laughed. In one of the commentaries I was reading in my studying, there was a gentleman who had written, and he was commenting on Abraham laughing. And he said, honestly, I think the real funny part was not the idea that Sarah was going to have a baby at 90, because I would have trusted God with my wife having a baby at 90. But what I found really funny 
and really impossible was God asking me and a hundred to go be circumcised. We can laugh at God. We can believe God. But you can't ignore God. You have to deal with him. The name El Shaddai is important because when we come to the end of ourselves, that's where we find him. And he is more than enough for you. A.W. Tozer once said, Anything God has ever done, he can do now. Anything God has ever done anywhere, he can do here. And anything God has ever done for anyone, he can do for you. What do you need this morning? Because El Shaddai is sufficient. El Shaddai is enough. I will leave you with this prayer that Paul had for the Ephesians in third chapter, beginning in verse 14. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. What is your need this morning? El Shaddai is asking you, what is your need this morning? Because I am enough. In your weakness, my strength shows, he says. Heavenly Father, El Shaddai, we want to know you as El Shaddai. Empty us, Lord, so that we can know that you are enough. Empty us of ourselves so we can be filled with your spirit, so that we can be filled with your love. And that when we leave this place and we go out into the world, People will see that love, and people will see you in us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for Jesus. In his holy and precious name, amen. Amen.